hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Not D&D, and we have another Halloween theme this week. We'll be talking about the Alien RPG, and with me to talk about that, we have uh, a guest come back on the show again, so I clearly didn't scare you last time when we talked about Blade Runner. Uh, Thomas, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Good to be back on. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about the kind of Alien RPG and uh, your role in, in creating it? Yeah, sure. Uh, the Alien RPG is one of the first, well, the first big kind of licensed RPG that we did. Actually, not the very first license, but the previous ones were a bit smaller. So this was a mm-hmm. big, big moment for us and a big project and something, a bit yeah. of a dream project for a lot of us. Uh, mm-hmm. It started uh, a bit four or five years ago now when we started thinking about it, you know, mm-hmm. doing working on it. And then it took some time to actually complete it. And my role was um, primarily as a rules designer to design the actual rules of the game. That was kind of my main job, as well as being like a project manager, just making sure everything came together, just to actually make that thing of all the component parts into into a game, you know, working with the layout artists and the the illustrators and, and everybody else. So I was a bit of a, you know, the keeping all of the stuff together and with a yeah. specific, and uh, where it comes to design, I did rules mostly. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And clearly it went very well because, uh, like you say, it's been out for about four or five years now. It won the 2020 uh, Golden Any Award for the best game. Uh, so clearly a very good success. Um, like you mentioned, it's such a big license and so such an exciting time for the company. Um, we were talking about licensing on the podcast of the week. So how did how did you get the license for the Alien RPG? Like how did how did that start? Did you was it a long pitch process or yeah? Well, yeah, it was fairly quick, but but yeah, of course, there's a pitch process involved. Uh, we started talking to uh, the, uh, Joe Lefavi. Uh, he works as a as a as an agent in in Hollywood and works in licensing and 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 so on. Mm-hmm. So we we met him through some mutual acquaintances, basically. And then we started talking. And just shortly before that, we actually had kind of a brainstorm, uh, you know, in, in within Free League about which would be like the kind of dream licenses. And we had ended yeah. up with a very short list. And Alien and Blade Runner were on that very short list. So, and, and as it happened, Alien was the one that kind of moved a bit faster than Blade Runner, but they both mm-hmm. started at, at the same time. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, we did a pitch for the Alien RPG uh, through Joe, and then, you know, things started moving pretty quickly. I, I don't know, mm-hmm. remember exactly how quickly, but it was a matter of a few months before we actually had the agreement in hand and, and started actively working on the game. Amazing. Um, the game, and as you mentioned, Blade Runner, which is also on the shortlist, also exists now. Uh, you just closed, uh, I think, the the pledge manager for that. So I'm very excited for shipping in kind of late November, a little bit before Christmas to come out. Um, yeah. But going back to Alien, which we're talking about this session, but if you are interested in Blade Runner, we've done another interview on here you can go back and listen to. Um, yeah. I think this is a fantastic system. As I said, it's award-winning. Uh, I love the little nods uh, in the game because clearly you and the team that worked on it love the alien series uh, it's such a fantastic setting yeah. like there's little nods like the fact the person running the game is called the game mother is just just like tiny things like that i'm like yeah, yeah. this is fantastic how did you um approach taking on this license and you know integrating the rules to make sure it fit the setting yeah when when approaching any game really and, and this was certainly no exception we always kind of try to figure out how can we turn this into a game what what do we need to focus on and, and in terms of the rules how do we bring out that alien 
feeling mm-hmm. that uh, in in the rules of the game, I, I, I strongly believe that the rules and the setting really need to work together. I don't think any kind yeah. of generic system will work for every setting. Uh, I mean, you can probably do it, but but we always try to create rule systems that kind of enhance the theme of the game. And this, yeah. we did that very much here. And I think we try not to overload our games with rules, so rather than mm-hmm. having lots and lots of rules for everything, we try to focus the rules on 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 that thing that will make it mm-hmm. feel like an alien game. And I think in this case, the, the biggest example of that is, is the stress mechanic that, yeah. that we came up with, which is a variation of the pushing mechanic that we had in other Year Zero engine games, as we now call it. But that's, the, mm-hmm. the stress mechanic is something that was very specific to Alien to give that horror film feel of, of mounting mounting tension. And that, that was really that core uh, when it came to the rules design for, for Alien. Mm-hmm. Um, and as as you know mentioned uh, with all your free league games, we kind of use the Year Zero engine as like kind of the base to power it, but then you tweak and, and change and edit so it fits the setting really well. Um, so for, for people that don't know, could you briefly say what the basic Year Zero engine is, and then maybe go into how stress uh, works in the Alien game mechanically? Sure. Yeah, the core of all of the user engine games are a bit different. It actually didn't start as a generic, you know, like an overall system. It started out with the game Mutant Year Zero, and hence the name, which is a post-apocalyptic game. And then we just sort of kept working on that core engine and, and tweaked it, modified it quite heavily to fit other games. But what is common to all of them, I guess, um, well, most of them, uh, they start out as a D6 dice pool. Actually, not all of the Year Zero games are that anymore, but, but most of them are, and that kind of where it started. Mm-hmm. So you have a dice pool of six-sided dice, and you want to roll sixes. It's a basically a very simple mm-hmm. core. And you, the number of dice you get is influenced by your attributes and skills and gear and whatever else you might have. So it's a very simple tactile system where you have a pool of, of dice, and the more you get, the better it is, and then you want to roll sixes. It's like super simple. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the pushing uh, mechanic, where which is basically a re-roll. You get to roll the dice again um, at some form of cost or risk or danger, and whatever that cost, risk, danger is depends on the game, and that is different mm. in every in every game. And in Alien, you have the stress dice. So basically, when you push a roll, you get another die, a yellow stress die, which actually means your pool is increases in size, which is good. It increases the chance of success. So actually, when you get stressed, when you push, you actually get more dice, higher chance of success. But these stress dice, they keep mounting. So you get a bigger and bigger pile of them, which can help you. But if you roll a one on them, one or more of them, when you, when you, when you push a roll or when you make a roll, then you actually trigger some kind of fear or panic attack which can spiral okay. into you know chaos basically so that it's kind of like a game of blackjack or 21 that it's it's all good <laughs> you get yeah. more, and more of these dice but then if you get too many it's going to explode so you, and that mm-hmm. pile of yellow dice is kind of like a constant tactile reminder of the kind of mounting pressure in the game so that's mm-hmm. kind of the way it works and makes it very very clear to the player that all right i'm you know you know it's about to go off where, you know, it, it's getting closer and closer to that point of, of, of where, you know, just panic uh, erupts and, and things escalate from there. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the core. There are lots of nuances to this, but that's basically how it works. Yeah. And like you say, that is something that's so clearly designed to, to mirror the feeling in the film where there's this rising tension and it's, you know, like the moment when they're standing there and the dots are coming closer and closer and closer to them. Yeah. And it's just that building yeah. kind of horror feeling and that tension for it, which is why 
perfect for Halloween, uh, a game yes. to play for that. Um, so speaking of stress and panic, that's a very kind of human response to a scary situation. Um, but characters you can play in the games, you you can play as androids as well in the game? And uh, they have a different mechanic? Oh. Yeah, there are. Uh, I mean, there, there are definitely androids in in Alien, and it's a bit different. In Blade Runner, you, there's like a choice when you create your character if you want to be a replicant or a human. It's like mm-hmm. you know, fairly equal terms. They work a bit differently, but it's like an even choice basically. That's how. It, that's not quite the same in Alien. In Alien, you don't normally create an Android character per se. You can, but it's kind of not the norm. Instead, mm-hmm. what we have in at least a few of these cinematic scenarios or, or, or some of them is that someone, one of the characters is a, is a secret Android. It's kind of a, also, okay. of course, goes back to the film. So there's, mm-hmm. a, a, there is that option that someone who is pretends to be human is actually not, and that is revealed mm-hmm. at some point during the scenario. And that works particularly well in, in these, uh, this format that we have called cinematic scenarios, which are mm-hmm. played with pre-generated characters uh, that are pre-made for the adventure and, and, and designed to work within that specific adventure. And that means you can do a lot of these kinds of things. Like e- each character has a personal agenda, something that you know they want, but perhaps not the whole group wants. And you can even have like traitors in the group and, mm-hmm. and hidden androids in the group. And that works much better in this kind of confined one-shot scenarios type with pre-generated characters, because then you kind of just hand them out and, and you don't need to create this uh, by yourself. So that, that, in that, that is where you most commonly would find uh, an android as a player character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you mentioned, there's kind of two different modes you can play. You have the cinematic play you were just talking about, which is, as you say, kind of pre-written uh, scenarios that you can just jump in and play for a one shot. But you can also have campaign play as well. And assuming that you you could make your own characters and and go out and explore the, the terrifying universe that is Alien. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, like uh, briefly, there outlined the cinematic scenarios. There's three mm-hmm. of them out now. There is mm-hmm. Chair for the Gods, which is included in the starter set for for the Alien RPG, and then there is okay. Destroyer of Worlds, uh, which is uh, it continues the story in a way. It, it's you, mm-hmm. you're not expected, you're not playing the same characters, but it it, it the kind of overall background, the overarching mm-hmm. meta plot, kind of continues. And now, just recently, we released the uh, third uh, cinematic scenario called mm-hmm. Heart of Darkness. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, basically, f- uh, and that has a new cast of characters and a new uh, kind of s- environment and situation uh, in which you'll play. So that's kind of the cinematic scenarios. But then we also have, like you mentioned, campaign mode. There's support for that in the core rules, uh, the core rule book. Uh, basically, in campaign mode, you create your own characters. You're you're mm-hmm. meant to play longer campaigns over a longer period of time. That means you might not run into xenomorphs quite as often because doing that will quite often mean you know the Instant end of a character. <laughs> yeah, well, it can be. yes, it can be. So so it's a bit of a different feel to it because the, what mm-hmm. is cool is that there's actually a lot more to the Alien universe than you might if you you know if you've seen the few films and but you know, mm-hmm. that's all good. But there's a lot more than that in the expanded universe. So, okay. so in in the in the core book, there's a lot of setting information, and also we're uh, design, making these campaign books, which are a bit more meaty. I have one like like oh, this amazing. one. This big 
meaty book for playing colonial marines. So this is the first campaign mm -hmm. book that we that we did, and this is like it's huge. It's like two. It's like three hundred and fifty pages or something. And this oh, wow. one has lots of setting material and missions to play, and and this is for a longer campaign where mm -hmm. characters are well potentially can actually survive for a bit longer and and, and play yeah a, a more of a long form game. So those are the two game modes that we have. So that's kind of the idea that we have these cinematic scenarios, and then we have these campaign books for for uh, for playing longer campaigns in in some sort of environment. Uh, the, this one, like I mentioned, is for Colonial Marines, which are the mm -hmm. what you see in the second film. But we are uh, we were now working on uh, on a uh, campaign book for for explorers and colonists. So that's probably what's what what will be next. Uh, in terms of releases for the game. Exciting. So like you said, this has been out for a while and it seems like it's a line that you're planning on doing more and more content for. So something that's great to kind of jump in on on now. Um, with the cinematic uh, that kind of play style you talked about, um, I, I'm guessing it's not expected that your character you're playing is going to survive because it's, is that, is that fair? <laughs> um, well, you can, uh, it, it happens. Um, I think... But it's rare, I think, that all characters survive because in this mm -hmm. in the cinematic mode, uh, you are a group, but you you can also, like I mentioned, have like different agendas and 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 so mm -hmm. on, and and in some cases, widely different agendas that will often escalate towards can end in in fairly you know in confrontation between characters, and that's yeah. built up through. Uh, three acts. Each of these cinematics have act one, mm -hmm. two, and three, and in each act, each character gets a new agenda, personal agenda, and that kind of okay. helps push the characters to their own. So really, the, at the end of the cinematic scenario, what, what, what tends to happen and, and what tends to be a lot of fun, in, in my opinion, is that you, <laughs> it's really driven by the characters themselves. There, it's, yeah. not, it's not really a case where, where something external happens and the characters just try to you know, overcome it. It's more of a the characters actually push their own agendas to the forefront at the end of the third act, and that's kind of anything can happen it, and it can play out in lots of different ways. But yeah, it does mean that it's fairly rare for all characters characters to survive. It also happens that everybody dies. That's well, that's that's sad, but but it does happen. <laughs> but uh, I guess the most common end is that maybe one or two characters survive out of the group or something like that, which is very much what you see in the alien films as well with you know ripley signing off at the end with everybody else dead that's kind of also how many of these scenarios tend to play out but of course it, yeah. it, it all depends on the decisions of, of the of the players themselves so it can take any any form in the end mm -hmm. um i think obviously a lot of people that choose to play this this game are, are big fans of the the films uh, and know the world quite well um but obviously when we're playing a role-playing game we don't just want to repeat walking through the film because we've already seen that so yeah. is it possible to give us a, a sort of little brief interest to what some of the scenarios are obviously without any spoilers but what's the kind of setup where are we what sort of characters are we playing yeah, sure. Uh, we have in, identified in the core game like three what we call campaign frameworks, types mm -hmm. of, of characters that you play. And I think they are all obviously inspired by the film. So you have mm -hmm. in the first cinematic scenario, you have like what we call space truckers, basically a crew of on a yeah. commercial space liner or something of some sort uh, that just try to scrape by, uh, do their job, but of course they're drawn into something horrible. Then there is the colonial marines that I mentioned, and the third campaign frame is, is explorers or colonists uh, that you 
for example, see in in, in uh, the Alien Covenant film, like like mm -hmm. uh, perhaps like a big ship going out far into the far reaches of space to colonize mm -hmm. new new worlds. So those are the three campaign frames, and each of the cinematic scenarios kind of cater to each. So now we have three. The first one's the Chariot of the Gods. Is is uh, you play a team of space truckers, and and they kind of that setup. It starts uh, in a way that will probably feel quite familiar to yeah. the first film. Basically, mm -hmm. uh, you're that team of, of, of space truckers on a ship fairly similar to the Nostromo, and there is a distress call and something happened. So that yes. will feel very familiar. And that's kind of the point. That's how we designed it to get you in easily into the game, because if you've seen that film, you will immediately kind of get a mental image of, okay, I, I get this. I know where I am. I know what this looks like. And you kind of get into perhaps the kind of banter that they do in the film, you know, Mm -hmm. whining about get, not getting enough shares on this run or whatever. So that really helps getting the game started. But then yeah. those expectations are, 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 we try to subvert them at every move so that, that you mm -hmm. will not know what's going to happen. And if you think you know what's going to happen, it's probably going to be something completely different. So we do work and use those expectations that you will have having seen the films, mm -hmm. but then we trip them up and, and, and twist them and do something even different with them just so that players will not know what's going to happen. And that's that's kind of the challenge when designing these scenarios. And that's what we really try to do at every turn. Fantastic. Uh, sounds sounds like a great setup there. And I like the idea that there's there's twists and turns that, that happen. Um, you've kind of mentioned with, like you say, it's kind of familiar because people know the world and, and the setting. Would you say it's a good uh, role-playing game to invite people that haven't uh, tried role playing before? Would this be a good uh, kind of starting point for people? Uh, I think so. Yeah, and especially perhaps the starter set, which has that first cinematic scenario included, and also everything you need to play it. Uh, yeah, I think it, it's a good starting game because a you might be familiar with the Alien films, which mm -hmm. helps, uh, and and b also this rule system is pretty straightforward and not very mechanically complex. It it, it it enhances the theme, but beyond that, it's, it's fairly straightforward and easy to grasp for a new player. I do think, though, you have to be prepared for the type of story you will be uh, experiencing and kind of embrace that. If you, I mean, you, you, if you hate the idea of your character possibly, you know, not making it through, then it might not be the game for you. But I think even a beginner player can be equally open to that kind of play that, uh, as, as a veteran player can be, perhaps even more so, because sometimes veteran RPG players are very much set in how they want their game to be and might actually have a harder time accepting a game that will almost, will, has a high chance of killing your character. So I mm -hmm. think, yeah, I think it's a good game for beginners. Fantastic. Um, we invited you on because uh, it's Halloween, it's October, and uh, for me, yeah. Alien is a fantastic uh, kind of horror game to play. It is a particular style of, of horror, like you say, that the panic, the rising tension, the building, and then a moment of kind of action and panic uh, happens. Um, do you have any advice for kind of GMs on how to run uh, a horror game like that? Because I think sometimes it can be a bit intimidating to run a horror-themed game. It's true, yeah. Uh, I mean, horror games have that challenge, an additional challenge to, to kind of get players into the mood. So mm -hmm. mechanics do some can get you part of the way, definitely. I think they can yeah. certainly... The right mechanics can help you, uh, re, you know, get that sense of rising tension uh, in a game. But of course, there's a lot more that you can do as as a game mm -hmm. master. And I think just easy things are like don't you know 
you be in the right place, don't have like bright lights on, you know, have something, you know, just set the mood in the room, perhaps some creepy music, uh, even <laughs> sound effects can be super, you know, effective uh, when running games like this. So tricks like that, uh, I think, are, are particularly useful in horror games and, and certainly certainly alien uh, as well. So I think that is one one clear, uh, fairly straightforward piece of advice that I would give to anyone running this. Fantastic. Um, and so we talked a, a bit about some of the books and, and the things you can get. Um, and I assume all of these are kind of on alienrpg.com for people to, to kind of take a look at. Um, so you've mentioned a little bit about the, the kind of future of the line. Could you give us a little summary of what kind of what's currently available and what's kind of future plans? So if people are interested, they know where to jump in. Yeah, sure. Yeah, like I mentioned here, we have some stuff behind me. This is the this is the starter set, uh, and it's not only it has Chariot of the Gods, which is you know the full uh, cinematic scenario, but it also has a lot of stuff that you will find useful uh, even when playing uh, you know campaign play as well. You have like the dice, you have uh, a big star map, and you have lots of stuff in this in this box that you will find yeah. useful when playing the game. Uh, have a, you know whatever scenario or campaign you're playing. So I think that's a great place to kind of start off. Um, then of course there is the uh, core rule book, uh, which is a uh, almost 400 page beast of a book. Uh, yes, it is a heavy stuff. big book. It is a heavy big book. It was actually never intended to be quite this big and heavy, but it kind of grew out of our control a bit. So it is. It is now a very big book, but still fairly accessible, I think, and not, you know. Mm -hmm. so, so that's, of course, when you want to dig, when you're done with the starter set, you play that first scenario and you want to kind of dig deeper, you, this is mm -hmm. kind of the way you go. And it also has uh, lots and lots of setting material, just, you know, so much information, even, even if you're not, even mm -hmm. if you're not a role player, I think you should be. But if you're not, you're just <laughs> interested in, in Alien, it has like so much stuff in here that you probably never knew. And it's all coming from canonical sources. I mean, oh, yeah. we had to put some stuff together, and, and, and but it's really not, we didn't make that much up from scratch. It's all very much based on... Like there's a bunch of novels, comics, the films, obviously mm -hmm. video games, and 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 we kind of really dug deep into the lore of of the alien universe, and a lot of that you can find all of that in the core book. And then you have, like I mentioned before, the Colonial Marines book, mm -hmm. and then there is the second cinematic scenario, Destroyer Worlds, where you play uh, space marines, Colonial Marines. And these kinds of, uh, they are all, these come in boxed sets. So you have lots of maps and handouts and things uh, in, in each of these. Uh, Pre-generated characters, cards, all this stuff. And then Heart of Darkness, which is the newest release. So yeah, and we definitely have, so that's, I mean, that's what we have out so far, but there is definitely mm -hmm. more, more stuff coming uh, for the game in the, yeah. I mean, we hope to work with this one for a, for a long time, so yeah. Fantastic. Well, it's been so successful. I'm sure that will be the case. Um, talking a little bit about the core book. I mean, I've only ever watched the films, so I'm, I don't know as much about the expanded lore kind of in the universe. Are there any interesting like stories or bits of information from the wider setting you could share with us? Because 
I'm a little bit ignorant to oh, it myself. There's, yeah, there's there is a lot, and I should say, even though I certainly work with it, I'm not the key uh, lore writer. That's uh, Andrew Gaska who did the lore mm -hmm. writing. So I, of course, have, know it, but I don't know it on that kind of detailed level. Oh, sure, but sure. Is, <laughs> yeah, but there is definitely so much different systems. There's a whole uh, alien species that I, you know, that you that are only mentioned in passing in one of the films, the Arcturians that are, you know, described here, you have, yeah, so there's a lot like weird, you know, cults in space that, that are also quite interesting. And yeah, there's just lots and lots of stuff uh, and cool <laughs> concepts and, and ideas uh, and horrible, horrible xenomorphs of different kinds uh, that, that are also described in, in detail. So yeah, there is mm -hmm. just a lot of, a lot of things in there if you're interested in the alien universe fantastic so maybe just a gift for a christmas gift for somebody who's really into aliens as well like you say even oh, yeah. if they're not a role player it sounds like it's a nice kind of collectible item to have um well, thank you for sharing so much about the Alien RPG uh, with us. Obviously, for Halloween, this is a perfect kind of horror-themed game. Um, but do you have any uh, recommendations or suggestions for any other maybe horror-themed games that you think people would enjoy playing? Apart from Alien, you mean? Apart from Alien. I mean, I said, obviously, Alien is the one you would choose first. <laughs> but when well, they finish that, what else would you recommend? Yeah, well, it's hard not to suggest, you know, another title of our own that I think uh, is quite nice. Uh, I mean, this one. That's it's an, called, ah, it's yes. very, uh, it, I think it's very Halloween compatible. It's mm -hmm. called Vazen, uh, Nordic horror role playing. So basically, it's a Gothic horror game based in Nordic, based on mm -hmm. Nordic folklore, and it uh, uses the same core system as Alien, actually, but with a you know a mm -hmm. bit of a different take on it. But it's uh, very much that kind of nineteenth century. Uh, going out onto the wilds and, and, and investigating weird cases revolving on, you know, about these strange creatures and monsters that you would find in Nordic folklore. So this is, I think, perfect, alongside Alien, a perfect uh, Halloween RPG. Perfect. And if people are interested in hearing more about that, we have actually done an interview on it on Not D&D a few months back. Uh, so you oh, can nice. listen to so you can listen to a full interview and learn more about it there. Um, well, I think that might be everything this week. So, uh, Thomas, thank you so much for coming on and uh, coming back again. And maybe we'll have you on again in the future to tell us about another one of your wonderful games. Absolutely. Thank you. 